It's controversial. Having that guy around is the, the best thing that ever happened to the squad. If you have the right mix of autism and steroids, all these pundits and whatnot, a lot of people doubting me, you know. I don't want to fucking have a conversation while I'm showering, you know, like, the hobby I do is already so gay. You are now listening to the El Segundo Podcast with Craig Jones. Rolling? All right, El Segundo, take over. We are here in the belly of the beast with our biggest podcast guest ever, Alex Jones. With my father. <laughs> He's actually my dad. He's been taking supplements, though. He's 78 years old, looks younger than me. I've, dad. I've been pumping down the HDH Max Boost 2.0. That's a great supplement. I should take it. Obviously not enough. I actually wanted to come here to thank you, right? Because you brought to my attention the chemical atrazine. And I've actually been giving some of the enemy teams in the sport atrazine in their drinks. One in particular in Austin is a big fan of kombucha. We've been dosing his kombucha with atrazine. It's caused him all sorts of stomach problems so the doctors can't diagnose. But obviously- If you got a foot long PP, it goes down to one inch. Down to one inch. What's the other side effect though? What was it doing to the frogs? No, no but seriously, it was like 12 years ago or so, I was reading a report out of Berkeley they got a bunch of other reports from South Africa, Japan, everywhere, that atrazine is the number two pesticide in the world. And at acceptable levels in the water supply, you can look this up, uh, it causes mutagenic effects in, 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 in males, whether they're amphibians or fish or mammals or marsupials, you know, for the kangaroos there in your country, it, it literally can bend the gender. So you're not a female now, but you're a mutant. And in the womb, in the first trimester, all embryos in mammals start out as female in the first few weeks, and then the, the male things express. That's why people ask, like, why do men have, you know, nipples? It's because we start out as a female, and then the male attributes express about three weeks into the embryo. A little bit of atrazine, you pull the actual numbers, but it's the allowable amount, can bend that to where you're hermaphroditic. I mean, you don't have a vagina and a penis. You're, you're not physically a, half a, a hermaphrodite, but... In your brain, it actually changes the neural pathway. So I don't hate gay people or any of these folks, but the point is they've literally, just like male frogs who, who are exposed to low levels of atrazine, don't want females to try to have sex with males. And then David Hogg famously, one of the anti-gun guys, said, well, what's, what's wrong with gay frogs? Well, they don't make any more frogs, so frogs go extinct. Yeah, yeah. So so it, it, it's a very serious situation. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do to my enemies, the, the rival teams in the sport, you know? Rival teams, drink your soy. <laughs> Drink your tap water. What did you say? You said if you it'll shrink your penis? I must have been uh, exposed to a bit of atrazine in my time then. Well, I mean, the, the, it, we can joke around, but I mean, I mean, here's another. Let's not look at atrazine right now. Let's look at, uh, anybody can pull this up. Anybody can look up glyphosate. Our Roundup gets introduced in the early 80s, and uh, all of a sudden cancers explode. They admit in studies it's linked to uh, breast cancer and a bunch of other things. But Brazil and other countries didn't implement it until the 2000s. They had almost no breast cancer in Brazil until they put uh, you know, Roundup into their uh, horticulture, into their farming. And now Brazil matches us in breast cancer. So, so these chemicals that will kill a plant have a major effect on us as well. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. Hey. Yeah, I had no idea. I just remember the viral video of the gay frogs. That went crazy. That's... 
I'm tired of them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. <laughs> that was so good. I, I haven't seen you for how long now? We caught up, must have been 80 months ago. We went shooting at your ranch. The last time I was at my little farm, we went shooting. I've been out there since. That's how busy I've been. That's a beautiful ranch. What was amazing, I'm not kissing your ass, is I had like former special ops guys and guys that trained police. And you were shooting as good as them bullseye <laughs> it, the first time you were shooting those guns. And me, I was shooting about an inch off. So I was a little bit jealous. You were nailing bullseye with the 50 cal and the 338 Lapua and everything else. Well, you, you were hitting the 100-yard shots. Actually, you got me uh, interested in the staccato gun. What's fun is that handgun. Yeah, the, the, the best handgun, and they should be a sponsor. They're not. They're based in uh, Georgetown here, is a staccato P. Now, it's expensive. Uh, like four grand is like their more expensive model. but like a laser beam with open sights or with a red dot, I can shoot a 15-round magazine and maybe miss once, but I really focus all 15 shots, a tiny metal target. And you can shoot patterns five inches at 200 yards with a handgun. It's, it's a magic weapon. That's crazy. Yeah, we, we actually we caught up with some guys from Staccato, and they took us shooting. But they just, I think, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they want, we want to bring you next time. We're going to go to the actual factory. They said they've got this huge shooting range set up. Some fancy stuff. So we need to. I see bet it. they were shooting better than me. Well, what were they like? You were pretty good. You were pretty good. Uh, but did they? I don't even remember if they shot with us. They just ran us through the motions, got us to do some drills and stuff. But they really want us to come back because they said they're building some sort of technical range, this fancy outdoor range. Well, hands down, they build the best handgun out there. I mean, like, I mean, like I said, I've sat there on my dad's ranch. Uh, actually, the last place I've been out about six months ago, and and we were out there with a regular like Glock nine millimeter and at 50 yards, you're lucky if you hit the big target. And I mean, we were sitting there at a hundred yards and we have a little golf cart. We drove back 200 and we were, I should have shot video, but I was didn't bring a camera guy. And we were at 200 yards shooting patterns like that. I mean, that, that is with a handgun. That is just devastating. I, I remember when we were there at your ranch, we did the uh, shooting contest. We were shooting. What was it? The, the tanner with the sniper rifle. Oh yeah. The challenge. That was good fun. We got to do it again. Man, I haven't been, you know, I haven't been shooting other than my dad's property in six months. It's a lot of fun. You're too, too busy. Yeah, I'm too busy fighting the New World Order. We, we were trying to get you to come. I remember when we were doing the shooting, you were telling us you were going to come down and do a training session with us at B-Team. Oh, my God. I'm like a slug. I'd have a heart attack in the last time. <laughs> you, um, your son used to train, right? I think he was like 12 years old, 13. He went there a few times. Oh, just the kids' classes and stuff? Yeah, he needs to go back. Send him down. Take We're care. ready to do it. You got to come as well. I'd lose some weight. I know that. That'd be, yeah, be fun. Be fun. I still remember you talking, telling Eddie Bravo to put you to sleep. Eddie wouldn't do it. I was ready to do it that day. <laughs> That's so funny. Because we got like 60 million views on that podcast between the different platforms. And it got 100 million if you chugged me out. That's true. That's true. Is that, that might be the biggest Rogan podcast he did. I, 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 of the top four, I've got the top three with him, but I, I think that Elon Musk is bigger. Oh, really? I'm Segundo. We're going to beat it. We're going to go 100. I'm miles. number two. <laughs> We're going to beat it today. Um, fuck. What else are we going to say? What's that say? Is that Japanese or Chinese? Actually, so this, this is a funny story. We were in Japan, and we went to this bar, and it's called the Muscle Girl Bar, where they'll have these jacked Japanese women making you drinks, squeezing grapefruits, and then they'll slap you in the face. So we went down there. We supported them. They slapped me around a bit. Had a good time. I thought of you. I thought you might enjoy it. Really? That's the girl slapped you around? Yeah, I'll show you the video afterwards. Just little Japanese girls, but pretty strong. Pretty strong. They well, cut it into post. We're taping this. Oh, we can put it in? Oh, perfect, perfect. So did you, did you wrestle her? 
No, nah, we just it's just me with a line of ghosts slapping. That would be big for Chinese or Japanese pay-per-view. You take on like six chicks. That's true. I wonder how many I could take on. You actually that reminds me, you were going to have a pay-per-view event with a bunch of midgets, right? I think we made a joke about it. Oh, you weren't actually gonna do it. I, I remember something vague about that. I remember I think it was when we were shooting guns, you were like, hey, this might be in the works. I might see how many of these guys I can take on. Oh yeah, they they were pitching me doing that. I remember that now. I think, I think they backed out. How many was it going to be? How many do you reckon you could take? Oh, that's right. It was Dave Portnoy. Oh, it was uh, they were pitching me fighting midgets. And I really just, uh, it would feel really weird beating them up. <laughs> How many do you reckon though? Like, uh, I would love to train. I would have trained you for that. For well, sure. there's big midgets and they're small. They're all really dwarfs. A midget's actually proportionate. They're very rare. So most people you see that they claim as a midget's a dwarf. Um, there's big ones that are pretty big. They're pretty nasty little creatures, too. <laughs> so I'm not being mean. Uh, little people. I mean, some are like, I don't know. I could probably take on five big ones, maybe 10 little ones. <laughs> I mean, if they got the really small ones, like the little foot and a half ones, maybe 15. Yeah, what's the, what's the cutoff for high? Seth's pretty small. We reckon he would. Uh... I'm not that big either. I'm like, uh, you know, I, I mean, uh, I mean, I think I could probably take on. I'm ready to take on 10 midgets right now. 10 midgets. I'm powerful. I like, I like. I, I just wouldn't like pick some up and throw them at the other ones. Ah! <laughs> I like those. That's I reckon 10, yeah. I mean, I could beat up Freddie for sure right now. Some of these guys that already train. You look pretty strong. Oh, yeah, right. Anyways, I, I'm ready. I forgot about Dave Portnoy actually pitched us. Um, it's that big fight thing he has. I, I don't really watch a lot of it, but oh, he has some weird, crazy thing he does. And they want they showed me clips of it. And they literally want him, and I just started I was thinking about like, I, I think they offered it, but then it just went away. I, I don't think I even backed out of it. I'm actually scared. I have a phobia of midgets. <laughs> you do. I, I actually don't, but it sounds fun. <laughs> I was gonna say, was it a bad experience? It would look terrible. Me in there, like beating up midgets. Well, that's what I was saying when I was going to have the grappling match with Gabby Garcia, the girl. It's sort of a match you can only lose. It looks bad to beat up a woman. It looks bad to be beaten up by a woman. I feel but like everybody's going to let you do it. You just get in there and dominate her. Why is she scared to do it? I don't know. We'll have to call her. I was trying to set up the match for Japan, but yeah, she backed out last minute. You met her, right? You met her in Austin? After one of the events. Yeah. Anyways. It's like Andre the Giant's daughter. <laughs> she's pretty big six six four six five 270 you reckon i win that of course you're gonna win come on give me a break elsa gunda number two you're gonna dominate her i mean men have like like what twice the strength of an average woman so even if she's got mutated chromosomes or whatever i'm gonna say she has that usually they do you know the double whatever i, I think you'd beat her i mean we'll, we'll still try to well if she's right there how would you take her out just charge in and like pile driver or put her in a. Uh, I was thinking more like uh, like a WWE match, you know, where they'll run at them, run under their arms, hit the ropes, come back, something along those lines. Just distract her first before I attack. You know, got to be yeah. pretty slow that way. Because you got to give them a show. That, that's true. it's like a gladiator. He goes, "Hey, you can't you kill too fast." Got to like go through the whole thing with her. Yeah, and that, that's also true too. I mean, if we were having a grappling match, we I couldn't really injure her. That would look that would look terrible. Was quick. So I've seen some clips of your show. Um, it's been pretty entertaining and informative. But but what are you mainly going for? 
I heard you're promoting new lockdowns. You'd like to have lockdowns again, more shots. More shots? And like the, and like the prime minister of New Zealand said, don't look at the sun and don't talk to your neighbors. I mean, I'm a big fan of not talking to my neighbors, for sure. But, I mean, I have no idea, really. I'll, that's why we've come here, to be educated by you. You remember, I did have the shot. I did have the side effects. No, no, it's serious. I mean, being serious, it's, it's horrible. And did you hear that came out the CIA was running all the COVID disinfo? I didn't. I've been keeping up to date. We've known it's been them the whole time. But Fauci and the Carnegie Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, going back three and a half years ago, blocked the fact that it came from Wuhan. Zolt, you admit it now, and blocked the issues that were being caused. Really? That's big news now. When did that come out recently? A few days ago. So you live in Austin. Austin, yeah. We've been here two, three years. You like it? I do like it. I do like Austin. What do you do? Just train all day? Train all day, talk shit on the podcast, harass people on the internet. Pretty full schedule. You've been how long have you been in Austin now? I've been in Austin since I was 16, and I'm about to be 50. And you, I remember, you were telling me you grew up, was it Houston? Dallas. Dallas. You were telling me about some of your street fights when you were younger. Uh, nothing. Getting slams in concrete? You yep, people that happened. I owe it all to that. Woke up with a whole new man. <laughs> I recommend the concrete lobotomy. It's really good. <laughs> well, that was back in Dallas? Yeah. But, but seriously, enough about me and that. Uh, the big thing is they are trying to push new lockdowns. They try to roll all this back out. The good news, people are really opposing it. You, are you still planning to stay in Austin? I think you were telling me last time we're hanging out, you might be, might be out here. Well, I love Austin, and it's where my, fa well, my family's from, but it's the jurisdiction. So they control the courts here. And so uh, did you just see where they just said Trump is about to lose his, his uh, business empire? Oh. Uh, because they say he falsified a report that Mar-a-Lago was worth like $100 million. That was yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. Did that come out? The judge said, with no real estate license or anything, the judge found him guilty. I thought we were innocent until proven guilty. The judge found him guilty and said, I say your Mar-a-Lago estate is worth what you paid for it 37 years ago, $18 million. Now, the real estate sites have it listed at $300 million. He estimated it lower. Trump did. But the judge off that said, you're guilty of fraud, without a jury, and I'm stripping your companies their licenses in New York, and I'm taking your skyscrapers uh, and, and selling them. So they are just flat-out jackbooted like pirates, letter of mark, doing that. It's, whether you love Trump or hate him or, or, or indifferent, this is unprecedented tyranny. I mean, this is really going on. Yeah, his legal fees must be crazy right now. Tens of millions a month, hundreds of lawsuits, four criminal indictments, and more coming. You, you used to speak to Trump a bit. Was I talked to Trump, yeah. A lot, a lot around his first election cycle, right? Mm -hmm. That was before they uh, shut down InfoWars, right? Well, before they censored it censored. off the main internet. We're still at InfoWars.com forward slash show. Still a man.video in many ways, as big as ever. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Trump, um, Trump would call him just his political allies, tell him how great they are. And I said, I don't want to hear how great I am. You got these stay-behind networks. You got these bureaucracies trying to shut you down. You, 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 you need to go after the deep state. Fiona Hill was a George Soros operator in your office. I explained who was really running things, and they flipped out over that. That's when they came after me. Shut it down. Because they were all listening to the phone lines. They were pissed. I remember you were telling me at the time how many listeners you had. Was it like three, 300 million unique listeners? Or? No, some days it was up to 30 million a day.
30 million is that. But we had billions and billions and billions of views. Yeah, we were bigger than Joe Rogan is now. Um, we were the biggest, biggest thing there was in 2016. Joe's still the biggest podcast now, right? Or? Yeah, I mean, I would say revenue-wise he is. Uh, I would say Tucker Carlson gets more views than Joe now. But he hasn't figured out how to monetize it because he doesn't have his own infrastructure. He's just using X, formerly Twitter. Uh, but, but I mean, yeah, no, Joe is hands down the biggest body of work. So that whole catalog he's done of tens of thousands of interviews, that's just every day getting bigger. And, 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 and so that, just what he did on YouTube alone is huge. And then all the clips they put on YouTube, that's makes him the number two overall guy. Cause everybody gets a podcast that gets big or interviews that get big, but it's not consistent. Um, what's, what's important is consistent. So Joe gets consistently per podcast. I've looked at it, probably 10 million views. That's, that's big. Um, but then he has some things to get tens of millions of views clips. Whereas Tucker Carlson on average, it's a hundred million views. Oh, wow. So when they kicked him off, uh, uh, Fox made him bigger. And when you say he doesn't know how to monetize that, are you talking about like in terms of, uh, pro selling products on the show? Yeah. I mean, he, 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 he's always worked for another network and not had to do the advertising infrastructure of the production. Now he's done the production, learned how to do that just a few months it's get fired six months ago five months ago and then now he's setting up the infrastructure for advertising and how to make the money so that's kind of endearing that he's like doesn't even know how to do all that stuff i mean i talked to him you know and uh i'm gonna be on his show here pretty soon and and the, the point is is that he's not even worried about the money the point is he needs to get that part of the game because he wants to start a larger network and a new show on top of what he's doing interview wise really build something but i mean it's beautiful that he wouldn't shove about election fraud. He wouldn't shove about COVID lies. He wouldn't shove about January 6th. So they fired him when he had probably six, seven, eight million viewers a night. Oh, big cable. And, you know, millions of views every day on the clips to then, okay, he goes from 10 million views a day to 100 million a day. I mean, that's just beautiful. And he just uses uh, X. X. It, is it on YouTube as well or Rumble or anything like that? Uh, I don't even think they put, but it ends up all over the news. Everybody watches it. Clips, derivatives of it, dude. But I mean, what a success. And, then, and the media's like, formerly on cable, now on the internet. What's the internet? It's just more choices. So, I mean, to me, I mean, it, it's a real success story. It's very, very exciting that uh, he had, you know, like I said, five, six million viewers not on cable. It was the number one cable show, but that's not saying much. And then, Another five, six, seven, eight million views. Clips. So I follow it. Maybe ten million views a day. He's had guests with three hundred million views. That means they click on it. Maybe they didn't watch the whole thing, but that's that's. Let's cut it in half. One hundred and fifty million views is the biggest show, and every show he gets gets at least eighty million views. I mean, eighty million views every day. That's crazy. And uh, yeah, so that that's that's like twice or three times what I ever had. So I sit back and I see Tucker's success, and I feel good. I go. You know, because I'm not just, I don't want to be the big guy. I don't want to be the numero uno. You want to be number two. I, I, I don't want to even be Segunda. <laughs> I want to be everything. I, I, I want to launch an operation against the globalist and, and see people wake up and see what I've seen. Because I'm not making them see what I see. They're not plugged into my production or what's in my mind. I'm getting them to put the glasses on like they live. Or I'm getting them to take the blinders off. And I'm just saying, now look at it. There it is. That's what's happening. And... To me, that's the great success. So I can see whether it's Russell Brand or Tulsi Gabbard or RFK Jr. or Joe Rogan or Tucker Carlson or any of these people, 
I can see them saying word for word and, and hundreds of other big hosts. But, but, and, and by the way, that's what's popular. Like the New World Order, global government, corporate dictatorship's real. BlackRock's real. And World War III they're starting is real. And biomedical tyranny and global IDs and, and social credit scores and ESGs, and that's all real. I, mean, I was just reading their documents. People think, this guy's psychic. How's he know what they're going to do next? We're tomorrow's news today because they're following a program, a roadmap. So if I'm driving through Arizona and I get to uh, Flagstaff, and then I know I turn this way and I go to the Grand Canyon, it's 50 miles away, I got a map. Plus, I've been there before. So I'm not psychic or I don't have a crystal ball because when I hit this town, I know I turn this direction, I go to the Grand Canyon. You ever been to the Grand Canyon? I have, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I notice you've got uh, Monument Valley here. That's just as spectacular because you're down in it. You ever been to Monument Valley? I was on my way there and a snowstorm hit, so I gave up. Changed well, it. you got to go there. Anyways, so, uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's, we know their roadmap. We know their program. And so I knew back when I was telling people decades ago what was going to come next, it sounds crazy, it sounds dangerous, it sounds unreal. But I knew that's the road we're on. So I knew we're going to get to those points in the road. So at least I can tell you what the town's going to look like, what's going to be there, because I've studied their documents, and I've seen what they talked about in the 40s, they got done by the 60s. What they talked about in the 60s, they got done by the 80s. What they talked about in the 80s, they got done by the 90s. What they talked about the 90s, they got done by the... Notice, you used to take 20 years for them to get a thing done. Now it takes 10. Now it takes five. So it's, 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 it's compressing. It's uh, accelerating. And so now I can tell people in those videos that are viral, they're going to lock you down. You won't be able to go to sports games. They're going to make you wear a mask. They're going to try to make you take a shot, have a vaccine passport. That was all in Model States Health Emergency Powers Act of 2002. That was all in UN plans. That was all in Disease X War Games by the Carnegie Foundation and, and by the Rockefeller Foundation. So I know the enemy playbook. It's kind of like if I'm a football team, like the head of the uh, New England Patriots decades ago, they were on top or a decade ago, was rumored to have stolen the playbook on the other side. You don't know exactly what play they're going to play when, but when you see the formation set up, you've already got the playbook. You go, okay, they're about to run this. They're about to run you know, the blitz. They're about to run a pass. They're about to whatever. We have their playbook. That doesn't mean we're going to know exactly what they're going to play when, but we can know the formation. What? How does the uh, alien craze, UAP craze, fit into this? It's going wild right now. UFO sightings. Yeah, Noe Yuval Harari, that's the high priest of the UFO you know, globalist operation, that kind of pushes the propaganda of the WEF. He said last week, he said, aliens aren't coming from a distant star. I've said this word for word. It's plagiarism, but it's true. We're building aliens in labs. So when they make nanotech, when they make new artificial life from no previous life, that's an alien. And he says, those aliens will dominate you. Resistance is futile. Well, screw that. You know, they claimed, oh, resistance is futile three years ago. The metaverse with $25 billion in funding, we're all going to live there. Everything else is going to be shut down. And they spent billions on it, and no one wanted it, and they gave you a headache. So they, the, the real power is a wizard is convincing us that they have power over us and that they really are the future, that we need to accept what they say the future is as a foregone conclusion, as a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
So you don't buy any of the, uh, they have alien crafts, they have alien bodies, anything like that? Colonel Corso came out and he was involved in the Roswell crash and said there were aliens and all that 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And then these new whistleblowers go before Congress and say, we're the first intelligence officers to tell you there were gray aliens and craft at Roswell. It was the, it's the same weird story. Well, guess what? My grandfather worked in Roswell at the petroleum building, and, and my uh, uncle is dead now. My grandmother is dead now. They're all dead. He was born like two weeks after the Roswell crash. And my grandmother remembered, because this crash way out in the ranch, way far away, that they brought through the army with guns and an 18-wheeler and the flying saucer under a tarp and made a big deal about it. And my grandfather, who had been in the military, said, this is some type of psychological operation. They're not going to roll a flying saucer to the middle of town and make a big thing about it. So it's, it's been some long-term alien play that they're doing. Um, no, I mean, the whole gray alien thing, the, gray, uh, the alien autopsy stuff, the globalists have been preparing that as a replacement for Christianity or religion. And then only the government can interface with the aliens and talk to the aliens. Thus, they're the high priest. They can only talk to Jesus or only talk to Buddha or only talk to Muhammad, or only talk to uh, Jehovah. <coughs> so it's a way to say, oh, no, God's real. It's these aliens. And you've got to work through the priest class to be able to have access to these. So that's all they're setting up. So the Mexican autopsies, some fake stuff for sure. Man, I could make a better sculpture than that in like an hour. <laughs> uh, I wanted to pick your brain. How many of those could you fight? If I could fight 10 midgets... How many of those one-foot-tall aliens could Mr. Jones fight? Oh, we could take a few. Take a few. Maybe midgets would be tougher for sure. Really? Midget versus alien would be something I'd be interested in watching, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> ten aliens versus ten midgets. <laughs> that would be wild. Alex, I saw you back. Oh, this movie's so old. I wanted to ask you about your participation. What is it? Waking Life. Yeah. That was a crazy movie. How long ago was that? 23 years ago. Wow. Was that, was that filmed in Austin? Yep. You're part of that? How did you get involved in that? Richard Linkletter, who's not part of Hollywood. He's a you know, really good guy, smart guy, friend of mine. He, uh, he wanted interesting Austin types, kind of like he made slacker about Austin before that. Got put on the map by that. Skinner Dockley. Is that him as well? Mm-hmm. And so he, uh, yeah, that's for Keanu Reeves and people. I was in that. I was also a consultant on it. That was what my real work was. It's not just being in the movie. I was a consultant on Scanner Darkly. It came out in 2006. Really? Years later. That's great. And uh, they wanted me to consult to kind of update Philip K. Dick's dystopic technocracy, police state, digital police state, government ships in the drugs, uses it to control people. So I helped consult on the movie with Richard Linkletter and Tommy Pilata, one of the producers. And I, I learned about Keanu Reeves. I had dinner with him some and hung out with him and you know stuff. And... He wouldn't talk to me. He wasn't arrogant. He was really nice. If they actually got along with him, he was really smart. But he just wouldn't really get into uh, like debates or discussions with people. But he's very smart. Woody Harrelson got to meet him. Very smart. Either of those guys uh, into any of these uh, conspiracy theories? Definitely. Absolutely. Both of them are awake. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that scan of Doku was such a good movie. I didn't know you consulted on that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. No, both Woody Harrelson and Keanu Reeves are listeners. They uh, get my films, follow the show. 
long time ago, I got invited out to L.A. and stuff. I got invited with him and Willie Nelson to go to Maui with him one time on a private jet and play poker. I didn't do it. Oh, you didn't do it? That sounds like a wild time. It's too busy. I'm not, I'm not name dropping. It's just, just true. Uh, that was uh, Woody Harrelson. And, uh, that's a long time ago. Uh, Willie's like 90 now. He was 75 then. Oh, wow. And uh, I'm at Willie Nelson's house playing chess with him. He goes, a couple days from now, we're flying to Maui to play poker for a week and have some more fun. We tell you, Willie Nelson seen more tail than a toilet seat. He didn't say what it was, but I knew what it was. <laughs> and uh, he goes, we didn't want to go out there with me. And I said, I've never been to Hawaii. I've been there since. And I said, no, I got to stay here and do my show. And he goes, really? Okay. And then like a month later, I saw him like in the Daily Mail or something. I'm a big party out there. So I probably should have gone to that. <laughs> probably should have gone to that. He worked too hard. Too dedicated to the course. Yeah. But uh, it, definitely a good guy. Is, uh... But I had dinner with Willie about eight, nine years ago. Last time I saw him, and believe me, when I'm 80-something, I'll be the same, but he was he's just gone. Uh, they just put him on the camera, or they put him out there, and he just plays the song. 90 years old now. It's still going. And he's got a leftist. It's like fifth wife. a big leftist. Hates me. That's why we stopped being friends. She threatened him and stuff, but that, that but that's a side issue. I was never really glomming on Willie Nelson. He called me. He came to one of the premieres, one of my films. And we got to be friends for a couple of years. Hung out with him quite a bit. But, uh, but the cool thing is I get to know all those people, you know. But uh, I'm not a big pot smoker. But, man, Willie Nelson can smoke you under the table. Oh, really? You, see, you don't get into weed too much? No. It's the only time I get paranoid or feel fe fearful. But I'll tell you a gross story. That repeatedly. <laughs> I've had Willie Nelson's saliva in my mouth. <laughs> and he didn't spit in my mouth. I wasn't a big pot smoker. I smoked it here and there. But he, back before vaping, was a big, had one of those volcanoes. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Remember those? This is like 16 years ago or something. Like the bags, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or like 2015. It's longer than that. Cod time flies. No, not 2015. 2000. Oh, 2005 or six. Jesus. And we're sitting there in his house. And Jesse Ventura was there. He can attest to the story. And we're, and we're, and we're sitting there. And I'm already, we already smoked joints. Down, he has this little town called Luck. It's all these old churches and old saloons and stuff. He's moved from around the country there. They shoot westerns there, so it's a western town. You know, right on. So we're up at his house, big split-level house. And he goes, forget these joints. Let's go to this. So he gets this big vape. Puts all this giant thing of weed in there. Puts the top on it and starts sucking on this big ball thing. And it looks like he's just going, he goes, yeah, he goes here. And it's like spit dripping off. I go, well, it's Willie Nelson. I never had a man spit in my mouth, but here I go. It was, it was almost like sucking his dick or something. And I, and I, I never had a dick in my mouth. That's about as close as it gets. I was Willie Nelson. I said, fuck it, I'm doing it. And then I pull it out of my mouth and had it Ventura. It's like some ritual. And he sticks it right in his mouth. And then it goes on for about two hours. And I, and I literally cannot hardly stand up. And, and we were, they were having a concert that night, the benefit deal that we were invited to. We were part of. And uh, Willie goes, all right, well, I got to go get ready. I'll see you in a couple of hours. And me and Ventura got in my Tahoe and sat there in his parking lot for about an hour and a half. <laughs> we could not even drive the car out of there. And he's performing. And a couple, well, yeah, we went to a restaurant. I went and got my family, went and met him. But I literally was out of my mind, like blown <laughs> out of my mind. So there, there's your, uh, the next time I saw him was with Dave Mustaine. He was staying with me, Megadeth. He was visiting the house. This is like eight, nine years ago. 
and we're driving around in the, in the, in, by the Hill Country Galleria out west of Austin. That's where I used to live out there. And he goes, man, you know, I never met. I want to meet, I want to meet Willie Nelson. I said, I haven't called him in a couple of years. I got his number. Let me try him. And I swear to God, you could ask Dave Mustaine, this happened. I dial it, which I hadn't tried in like three years. Willie Nelson answers, and I go, hey, I'm here with Dave Mustaine. He goes, oh, the Metallica guy. And I go, well, he was in Metallica, but he has Megadeth. He goes, oh, I'd love to meet him. He's so nice. His family always tries to stare him away because he's such a good guy. He goes, well, I'm over here eating in a restaurant right over here at the Hill Country Galleria with some vegan place. He goes, uh, we're going to pull in there and eat in a minute. You want to come meet us? And I was literally driving by it at the time. <laughs> and by saying I lived out there, I lived like 15 miles away further out west. So pull in, he pulls up, go in, Dave Mustaine, Willie Nelson. So that's a star story. Not that it matters. It's just interesting how weird the world works. That's pretty cool. So Willie, he's an Austin local? Yeah. Uh-huh. Still here today? Yep. Outlaw country. You know, they were just outlaw country because they smoked pot and had long hair in the 70s. Nashville said, we don't allow that. So they were like number, they went from nothing to number one because it was Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, Willie Nelson, and then Johnny Cash was kind of the bridge between the guys. And they went from the numbers I've seen from 1% of the country music profits to half of it in like five years. Holy shit. So they made hundreds of millions of dollars a piece back then when that was a lot of money. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's a true story. Anyways, boring stories for people. That's a good story. That's a good story. I've had Willie Nelson spit in my mouth. <laughs> people would pay good money for that. I'll be honest with you. It was like disgusting. Didn't have a time. I mean, he it. holds it out and there's spit dripping off. And I was like, I'm manning up. I'm not even going to wipe it off. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Do you remember the flavor? I was already so stoned I could barely walk. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I don't. It's like a ball on the end. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's like a, I'm not a big pot guy. It's like, and it's like this, you know, there's a thing on the end. And it's like, you're like, and you're watching all the smoke. Like, How the hell is he doing that? And like, <laughs> Roll me up and smoke me is what he says. I got some other stories too. I never get into the Hollywood stories, but I wouldn't call Willie Nelson Hollywood. You know, he wrote like for Patsy Cline, crazy and stuff in the fifties. It's a, like a living fossil. It's like Tyrannosaurus Rex just walked through here. <laughs> I mean, he wrote Crazy. You know that song? I don't know it, no. I'm crazy. I'm looking at this to straight I mean, off of this. He wrote songs for fucking Elvis, man. Really? Yeah. And and, and, and he's like walking around. That's like so King Tut or something. And you've had his saliva in your mouth. I've had his saliva in my mouth. One other story I wanted to pick your brain about was um, I remember reading John Ronson's books. Yes. How did you meet John Ronson? Well, John Juan, John Ronson is an amazing individual. Um, he is the most perfect incarnation of a weasel. <laughs> of a weasel. <laughs> yeah, I know. In fact, weasel spirit animal is John Ronson. <laughs> That's actually, our buddy is known as the weasel. No, you have nothing on the wheel, Weasel. <laughs> You're an imposter. <laughs> no, I mean, John Ronson's not even worth talking about other than the fact that if you're like creating naval charts and you find some rocks for other boats could run into, you kind of put a mark on the charts and put a buoy there. And in like 1999, I was covering Waco and the fact that it had come out, they murdered those people. They came out of congressional testimony. So I was up there covering Waco at the site 
And he came along, was, was making a documentary and writing a book about extremists. And he said, hey, have you heard of Bohemian Grove? They do these rituals, all this stuff. And I said, I've heard of that. I don't believe that world leaders go and worship a big stone idol and do a mock human sacrifice. And he said, well, point blank, he said, I work for a TV channel in the UK because of liability. They won't let me sneak in. Everybody else has been arrested. He said, I know you've snuck into some things, which I've done then. And he goes, we would like to get you there, pay you to go in there. We have an insider that works there that's going to give you some of the passcodes. This is a 2,700-acre redwood grove in a valley, backed up by the Russian River on one side and one entrance into a valley on the other. And I said, sure, it's coming up next year in 2000. Uh, I, fine, I'll go to California for a week. We'll do it. So I get there. Uh, I sneak into the facility. Um, the Secret Service questions me. They let me go because the passcodes he gave me. I hide uh, underneath uh, one of the camps. And, and it's not like a boys' camp. It's like big, nice, air-conditioned log cabins. And I get out. It's nighttime. It's July 15th every year. They do this ritual. A thousand men get out there. They're wearing black hoods and all this stuff. They bring out a body. They burn it. It's all on tape. I got a fanny pack. I shoot the video. I come out and give them the footage. Then, about a year later, when his TV show is coming out on World of Wonder, he told me, and I had to sign a contract to agree to all this, to not say he was with me. He went in with me. Oh, he did? So, yeah. So, I signed a contract with him that I'll shoot the video, but he's going to go in with me, but I won't say anything. So then I, I start getting calls at 7 a.m. Back when C-SPAN was still big, he's on with Brian Lamb, the main show, basically saying, Alex Jones didn't sneak in, I did, and all this other bullshit. So then the same night, he goes on Coast to Coast AM with George Noring, which is the biggest show in the country, but other than Rush Limbaugh at the time. 20 million viewers a night, listeners a night. I know the producer. I've been on the show. He's on there going, yeah, Alex Jones... I snuck in, blah, blah, blah. So I call up and get on air. He starts apologizing. Well, Al, actually, that's true, Alex. Blah, blah. And I didn't care. But I signed a contract that I wouldn't say he did it. I got them the footage. And then he goes on TV and says, I'm being deceptive that he was there with me. Well, you, I mean, I wasn't being deceptive. I, I didn't lie. I signed a contract that I wouldn't talk about him. And then it just went on from there. Uh, he produced NPR pieces about me. They created origin stories that are just totally fictitious and none of it's true uh, that I beat up nerds in my high school and they lured me to a cabin and tied me up and knocked all my teeth out and just all this insane crap. So he's really a bad Hollywood operator and uh, he used me to go in there and then got mad that it was so successful. And then, and, and, and then he didn't think I was going to call his ass on. So you know, that's where I'm at. He's done a bunch of other stuff. And, but he's a has-been. Nobody watches him or listens to him. He's nobody. So this is the biggest claim to fame he's got is me talking about him. But he is a treacherous person. He wrote a book about the psychopath test. Well, I mean, I guess he tested himself because uh, at, <laughs> least a, that one, yeah. at least a sociopath. Uh, because, uh, and listen, I don't know if you have the crew to do this, but go back to George Norrie, uh, John Ronson interview. It's archived on Coast to Coast AM, I'm sure. Go listen to me calling and confronting him. Play it. He starts, blah, 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 starts stuttering. I'm like, hey, man, I signed a contract with you to not say you were with me. I did this for you. I fulfilled my end of the contract. I didn't lie saying I snuck in there. Yeah, you were with me. You told me not to. I signed a damn contract with you, man. What's your problem? And so that's the left, man. They're just, they, they think reality is meant to be bent. 
And he tried to take over my identity with these origin stories he created that are not true. And so, you know, I don't even, I don't even hate the guy. Like people bring him up, so the only reason, out of respect for you, I told you about him. And that's only half the story. I mean, he is a nasty little bugger. And uh, so that's why he's a nobody now. Nobody likes him. Nobody supports him. He, he's done. And uh, so he can burn in hell. Burn in hell, John Ross. Yeah, I didn't even know that. I just, I just knew there was some connection with you and him and uh, Bohemian Grove. No, I mean, he's a liar. I mean, you know, I mean, like, I fulfilled my contract with him 100%. And he went off and made all his money. Uh, and, and, and then I got $10,000 to go out there. And they paid for my plane ticket. And I delivered. Because they, they'd had a bunch of other reporters go in and get arrested. CBS News, you name it. I went in there. I got him the footage. I got him the stuff. I put myself on the line. They would charge people that go, went in there if you got a camera. And then he used me to do his work and then turn around and shit on me. That's a coward, man. And then claimed I was stealing his thunder. Even though he'd already aired his documentary saying I snuck in. He already aired his documentary on international. It was on U.S. television. It was a big hit. But he thinks the audience is dumb. Now, oh, no, Alex didn't do it. I did it. I don't care about the credit. It's that it's the insulting people's intelligence. That's wild. I mean, he didn't get any, any trouble for that. How did he get the codes to go? Well, this is his MO. He made men who stare at goats with George Clooney and people. Making fun of General Stubblebine, who was a great patriot. I've interviewed many times before he died. Former head of Army Special Operations. So he made, they made a movie making fun of that. So what I learned he was doing is he was, he's, he tried to, he's got the rights for his book and his movies. He wants to make a movie about me. Oh, really? But they told him, well, if you claim all this about Alex Jones, you can't make a movie till it's been in the news. So if he's got it on NPR that nerds all beat me up and knock my teeth out, totally a lie, or any of this stuff, he can then change the story for his movie. But his movie didn't get picked up. And I, and I hope they don't make it. You know, we're, 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 I, mean, I mean, God knows what this weirdo is going to, again, have some big movie about me. But that's how the left works. They're into stealing identities. Did he ever tell you how he got the codes to get in there or the passwords? Uh, yeah, I mean, the guy, there was a lawyer that worked there. And it was like a lawyer for the place, which I think was maybe a setup. One group wanted me to get in because now that same group suing the Grove or abuse the employees or whatever. And I had to put the rest of the pieces together. I'm not sure completely, but they said, okay, there's a hundred and something camps um, and it's all hierarchical. So like some of them are just little log cabins. Others are like the chalet where Henry Kissinger and presidents stay up on the top of the mountain. It was like parrots, you know, the, the head cockatoo sits on the top. And so it's a mountain with a gorge and, a, and, and, and this valley and, and the river, one entrance. So you come in, it's a mountain, a bigger mountain, and, 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 a, and a ridge right here in the Russian River. And it's called the Russian River in, 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 in Sonoma County. And so we met with a lawyer for a few hours the day before we snuck in there in like uh, wherever the town was, Monterio next door. We didn't meet in the little town there. We met one over. And I met with him for dinner. I met with him in the hotel room. And he said, listen, since you have a Texas accent and since the Bushes are there, the Texas contingent of Republicans is called the Hillbillies. And so you say, I'm with the Hillbillies, and the code tomorrow is going to be Red Mountain. And so if you get questions, say, I'm with the Hillbillies, Red Mountain. So... 
John Ronson and the lawyer start walking down the road towards the checkpoint. And I had a weird feeling they were going to try to just get me arrested or something, which happened a few years later with Brad Metzler. That's part two of this. I'll tell you about that. I'm like 10 years ago. That's a whole show on I think it's Discovery Channel or is it History Channel? Wherever Brad Metzler. Guys, look up Brad Metzler's uh, Decoded show. I forget. It's History of Discovery. And, and so we're walking down this path into the valley. It's a very close valley. That's about 200 yards down. And I, and I just said, this feels weird. I said, John, you and the lawyer go. I've got another way to go. Because it was like a swamp right there in barbed wire. And I saw that people that had were members were driving out of their cars, parking here, then getting on buses and getting checked at the checkpoint. And it's all in footage. I got footage of this. So I go into the barbed wire, go in, and they got these big flat back buses, buses with the tops cut off. And I just wait and get on a bus. And my camera's going. I've got us driving in, and I'm on the bus and all the rest of it. And they're still walking when I drive past them right through. So I didn't want to walk in. And they did. He said, get questioned. Him and the lawyer got questioned. The lawyer was a member, by my administrative member of an employee. I get in. And then I tell him, dump me off at the first stop. And I figure, so I duck in the woods. Here comes Ronson and the lawyer. And Ronson's like, get away from me. Get away from me. Blah, blah, blah. I told you. And, and so I said, okay, okay. That's all. So, I, so I, I went on down the path. Secret Service came over. Talked to me. Who, who are you with? And I said, I'm with... Uh, I'm, I'm with the uh, hillbillies, Red Mountain. They said, okay, all right. All right. And then, and then, and then I, I walk down, and you know, I like to drink. There's all these big parties going on and all these encampments and these, and these log cabins. There's music playing. There's a big party going. So I duck into this one with about 100 people in it, and there's all these guys in there, mainly older guys, and a guy pitches me on the ass. I, I look pretty good back then. And there's <laughs> real, real gay stuff going on. There's like a picture of Henry Kissinger on the walls, you know, bent over in a woman's dress, simulating sex acts on himself. I'm, I'm not joking. I got a glass of wine. I go, okay, I get out of here. I gulp it. They're like, who are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm whatever. I get out. Sheriff's deputies. And I never forget they had like their olive drab sheriff's deputies. It was the sheriff I later learned. Uh, ponchos on because it was raining some. And they go, who are you again? I go, I'm with the hillbillies, Red Mountain. They go, okay, all right. So then I walk all the way to the end, but mainly goes up in the hills, but just the, you know, the end of, 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 of the ravine. And I shoot the Russian River. Now I get questioned again by, uh, and he goes, wait, wait here. I'm going to call security. I said, okay, fine. He goes, hold on, just, just go. So then I go, okay, that's it. So I jump underneath the cabin, wait, because I'm told, okay, at night they do the ritual. And while I was walking down there, I saw the pond, little lake, and this big statue, this big 45-foot really a bull, but they call it an owl. Really, it's Moloch the bull, but they call it an owl. It's all double meaning. And so, sure enough, I climb out from under the deal at night. It's getting dark. I'm under there with like centipedes and spiders and all this stuff. And I hear, dun, 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 dun. I walk about 200 yards up, and they've got a full symphony under giant redwoods, the biggest you've ever seen. And again, you're, you're welcome to use all my footage from Dark Secrets of Sabahemian Grove, Order of Death. You guys can use it all here to show it. And they're all out there eating dinner as it's getting dark. And they're already leaving. So I follow the crowd, and I see Clint Eastwood. Now I see Clint Eastwood's a bad guy because they invite guests there. And I see Danny Glover, only black guy I saw there. And I see these old white guys going, where they got them black people here? So people overpushed the racist stuff, but I actually heard that. And uh, there's the pond. Everybody's getting by it. I go, and I get in a position to watch. I'm not that tall, so I climb up on like a knot of a redwood tree. 
They got a fanny pack to shoot it. These men are enraptured like it's a religious experience. Out comes this black hearse drawn by horses, the body of a child's bound on it, the effigy. They do this whole satanic ritual, sacrifice the child, everything. And the men were, you'd say, oh, it's just theater. No, they were enraptured. Because I've been to Baptist churches. I've been to Pentecostal churches. I've seen people when they got, you know, the fire or the spirit on them. It sounds like Burning Man. It kind of sounds like Burning Man. And I've never been to Burning Man, but I know they do weird, weird stuff. And so that's my Bohemian Grove story. And, 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 and that's what happened. So then I get out. And I bring him the tape. Where was he during the ceremony? I never saw him after that. Oh, so he was like, you go this way, and then... Look, it, it's it's a canyon with a little mountain here and a bigger one here with stuff all up the mountain and some on the bottom of the mountain. Did he get... And mainly everything's on this side of the mountain. There's a few camps here, and like the pond's here, like 500 yards in, and another 500 yards is the, is the Russian River. So there's a gorge. There, there, there's a canyon. So you can come in one way, then there's a big gorge and 500, 400 feet down to the river, okay? And steps down to like the swimming thing and everything. So there's a parking place right here. Well, they start trying to walk to the checkpoint. I go, I don't have a bed. I'm not doing that. I break off. I go through here. I get on a bus. I saw people get out of cars getting on buses. So I go on through a bus. I beat them. I wait for them in the woods knowing they're coming. And I go, hey, guys, I'm with you. And they're like, get away, get away, get away. I say, fine. I peel off, do my thing, go get a drink, go do this, come come back down, hide out, catch the cat. I sat right here. Here's the pond. Caught that right there. And, and, and so I get out and we go with them to the hotel room. And we have, they have their DV cam. I have DV cam, DV cam. They transfer the DV cam. They watch it. They know they've got it. They've got a production crew there, like six people. I go, okay, good. I'm leaving tomorrow. They call me for this. They go, there's nothing on our tape. They erased it. I don't know if they were lying or not. <clears throat> so we mail them copies. That disappears. So I said, let me mail it to your production crew at their house. And they got the third copy. And so what I'm saying is, that's what happened. I gave them what they wanted. And then after he puts out a TV show saying I snuck in, and now that he thinks the liability's over for Channel 4, the same one's going for Russell Brand, with all their fake garbage, they then turn around and say, no, we snuck in. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter. You asked me about it. Last thing I would have thought of. It's just a very interesting story about how their brains work. I mean, that sounds like a wild place, Bohemian Grove. So they everyone stays there overnight? You just bailed out after the ceremony and stuff? Yeah, it goes on July 15th to July 30th every year. Still, still to this day? Absolutely. And it's... Uh, there's a little town right by it and all the private jets land. It's full of high-priced hookers. So I wouldn't call it a homosexual event, but there are some women outside the town, but women aren't allowed in. It's all male. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. But inside, even hit, uh, what was his name? Uh, How do you get invited? Richard Nixon called it the most goddamn faggy thing he'd ever seen. <laughs> really? Yeah. And, uh, so that's basically what it is, is, is a big gay orgy. Who, who runs it? By 1900, the U.S. presidents were going there. Um, Mark Twain set it up. When Mark Twain did it, it was more about hookers and alcohol and, and gambling. Um, and they would go by horse back then, like over a week's journey from San Francisco to there.
a couple hours north of San Francisco. Uh, but the artists and all them is an artist colony. They all got pushed out uh, by 1900. And but since I exposed it, they've released the National Archives, like guys in black hoods doing rituals, mock sacrifices, uh, burning crosses, lynching black people. It's a lot of weirdness. And Helmut Schmidt, the German chancellor, wrote Men in Powers, a political retrospective in the 80s. And he said, we do our own rituals at our own groves in Germany, but my favorite place to do Germanic rituals is Bohemian Grove. So it's international, not just Americans there. Yeah, they have these all over the place. And I didn't know about it. John Ronson's the one that told me about it. I mean, Ted Gunderson was the former head of the FBI in Los Angeles. And I thought he was a credible guy, but he told me, hey, in Northern California, they worship this big owl and they found dead kids in the area. I'd only heard about that for a few years. I'm like, okay, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm with national, international media and they're doing these rituals. And I, I want you, I, for, he, was, he, he said, for liability, I can't sneak in. I need you to go in and get the footage. I said, sure, I'll do it. So I, I, you know, I, I, I like a challenge. Uh, <laughs> That's and a back then, nobody knew who I was. And, uh, but then, again, he turned around, pissed off that I got all this fame out of it. When he asked me, oh, that was the other part. They said, by the way, Channel 4 wants you to air it first because then it's public domain. They feel there's less liability. So I was used for liability by him. You took all the risks. Did you face any legal troubles because of it? Not directly, but that's a whole other story. Uh, a guy dressed up like a superhero with a bunch of weapons and tried to burn it down. Tried to burn down. Bohemian Grove. Oh, really? Yeah, and then they blamed me. <laughs> but they blamed you. I think his name was Richard McCaslin. I think that was a setup. How many, I'm sure tons of people must have tried to sneak in after that documentary came out. A few employees have gotten some footage. Nobody's gotten footage of the ritual yet. But here's the network. You want to go all Bohemian Grove? Yeah, let's do it. So 10 years ago or whatever it was, 12 years ago, I don't remember the exact date, uh, Brad Metzler. Did you guys look? Is it History Channel or Discovery? They're not going to do it. I'll do it. Because I don't want to get this wrong. It was Brad Metzler, Alex Jones. Let me look it up. Is anybody in there? I guess they're Kessler decoded. Was that on Discovery Channel or History Channel? I'll do it. It's fine. I'll do it. It's my pet peeve, man. I just like, you know, because I don't want to get this wrong. So we'll get this right. So about 12 years ago, Brad Metzler, who's got big shows on Discovery Channel and other programs, who also works with the Bushes and all this, he makes big movies. He calls up and he goes, yeah, we want you to come back to Bohemian Grove. And we want you to uh, infiltrate it again. So I get there, and the director is wearing a hat while they interview me in this old defunct theater with the actual plastic suit of the alien from the 1970s movie behind it. Can't make this up. So I'm sitting there, this guy's interviewing me with this big dark tear, with this big scary rubber suit of the alien, but it was scary. It, you know, I'm not scared of that, but it was like really weird. And they're like, yeah, this is the original alien and all this other stuff. I'm like, okay, great. He's wearing a hat that says CIA on it, as if that intimidates me. 
And so I was sitting there, and uh, the bartender, because they were serving sandwiches, couldn't help it. He goes, screw you. I think Bohemian Grove's great. How dare you come here and expose it? I was, I'm going to blow the whistle on you, but I'm not. <laughs> so then I tell him, I say, hey, we're about to get in kayaks and go the back route and try to get in by the Russian River. I said, they're going to be waiting for us with the police. And they go, oh, no, no, it's all fine. Obviously, it was a setup. So we get there. And I know the state and federal law. Up to the waterline is navigable. That's public property. So I hold back and watch them. Come on, Alex, come on. Go up into the woods. Here come the police. So I get, it's on video. I get, in the, I get in the kayak, I leave. They arrest them all and release them. They say Bohemian Grove's fine. Don't come back here, you'll get arrested. It was all completely staged. So Brad Messler is a complete joke. Uh, so and, and then you can go watch that footage for yourself. How, how many times have people tried to set you up or catch you trying to doing weird shit or how much of that stuff ever happens? It happens a lot. So it would take hours to go over it all. But that's how their brains work. They're not straight shooters, Mr. Jones. They don't sit there and tell you straight. They always have a game. They're always playing games. And it never stops. Because that's how their weird weasel brains work. So that's Bohemian Grove. Uh, you know, they're low-budget documentaries. They're free online. They're powerful. Dark Secrets Inside Bohemian Grove. Order of Death. Uh, I think they're on band.video. I think they're on Infowars.com. But, you know, take a view of it because... You can watch it and say, well, these are just kooks. You know, they're just having fun. No, because I was sitting there watching the ritual. I'm like, hey, this is pretty cool. They're like, shut up. This is a very important ritual. But they, they take it deadly serious. Yeah, that sounds interesting. We should infiltrate together. Let's do it. We're doing it. Hey, <laughs> I was going to go this year, but bankruptcy on the budget. Helicopter over. I'm down. You can't stop go. that with a bunch of cameras. Well, Scott, right while they're doing the ritual. Helicopter right over there. I reckon we take one of the uh, fire helicopters. We drop the water on top of it. We put out that fire during the ceremony. Yeah, they'd say we're assaulting them. I don't want to interrupt the ritual. I don't think they're actually killing a kid. I just, you know, give me a break. A bunch of rich guys doing a ritual. And they act all weird about it. Just just give me a break. Yeah. But I did see Clint Eastwood in there. Was he having a good time? I'm not a star fucker and I'm not into <laughs> stuff. But, I mean, Clint Eastwood's iconic. Yeah, for you sure. Know, good, the bad, and the ugly. High Plains Drifter. So, it's surreal. I'm watching over a cliff, people eating and classical music being played. And I'm just thinking, God, I want some more red wine. And because I've been under a, hiding under a shed for two hours. And then all of a sudden, you look over, it's like, that's Clint Eastwood. Damn. And all of a sudden, that's Danny Glover. I'm like, who's that's a U.S. senator. That's a, that's a former president. That's a... That's the, who's that? You recognize them all. You don't know all their names, but it's like all the corporate leaders, all of them. And then, um, it, it was, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. I mean, that was like a hallucination without drugs. That five hours I was inside there was insane. How long were you under the cabin for? Two hours. Wow. I mean, I, I was walking around for about an hour and a half, two hours. They, they questioned me three times. I thought, don't push your luck. So I immediately dove under a, 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 I mean, I could barely get under it. It was like a porch. I just weaseled under it. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my God. I was like killing literal <coughs> centipedes and crap. What was the uh, dress code for this event? Everyone dressed the same? There's footage of it all. Use it. I think you should guys should take it and lay it over this. I mean, yeah, I, I, I got to watch it. Eh? I wore like a, you know, preppy shirt and some slacks. 
or some you know khakis and stuck in 2024 we're infiltrating who ended on that 2020 oh they know we're coming they're gonna be waiting we uh, could uh, they'll let an australian in for sure an australian and his dad are you ready to have sex with henry kissinger uh, if the price is right we can talk henry bidding starts <laughs> craig jones is gonna nail you in the keister <laughs> how much money how much henry he can't do too much damage can he no he's already been fucked by elephants <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i mean if he gets me a ticket to bohemian grove we'll talk if he gets you in most importantly there you go henry We'll double team him. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm being a little silly today. No, I mean, I, I, I want to go back to Bohemian Grove. I want to cover Skull and Bones. I want to do Bilderberg again. I want to do Davos. I've never done Davos. The crew's done Davos. Is there, a, is there an Australian Grove? What is the Australian uh, event? I've never, been, I've never been to Australia. I don't know. I, I just know that Australia is like a client state of the globalist. You know, it's all this, the exact same propaganda there this year. I mean, it's just it's interchangeable. The names are different, but the, the the program's the same. Probably the same gay party. Absolutely. How, how's your grappling going? Good, good. We just got back from Japan. We competed in Japan. I was telling you about all the, we got up to some weird stuff. Actually, you will find this fascinating. Japan, this, this is real shit. We went and we found used underwear in a vending machine. Have you heard about this? No. So in Japan, they have some, obviously, yeah, some wild stuff out there, but there's a vending machine that sells used panties. And I had to investigate if it was real or not. It definitely smelled very real. Is it Henry Kissinger's panties? <laughs> well, a different type of stain on it to what Henry's has, probably. Well, <laughs> Should we have a, a, a vending machine with Henry Kissinger's depends? <laughs> That's good. That's good. And then Willie Nelson bombs. His saliva, yeah. You could sell his saliva. That would do good. How, would you think... You, you, that would make its own vitamin, honestly. You could probably sell Willie Nelson's saliva. Got a boost. Are you allowed to take this in your training? HGH Max Boost at InfoWars.com? Honestly, we don't. I'm in a sport that doesn't drug test, so we just take whatever we can, you know? You're not taking any drugs. <laughs> I take, uh, I take both, both performance enhancing and decreasing drugs. But I can tell you don't look fake. I don't look fake? Well, you don't, you're not taking any synthetic stuff. I better up my dose then. No, be serious. They don't test you guys. Nothing. Don't test us, no. Well, your muscle doesn't look fake. You see those guys where it's all blown up, you know. That's what I'm aspiring to be. Stop being catty. <laughs> you don't take anything. I take everything, yeah. Anything I can get my hands on for a bit of a performance boost. Really? What are you taking? Cialis is good. Cialis is good for muscular endurance for sure. Really? That's a top one. Top one. Six milligrams a day. And then obviously testosterone as well. You're taking testosterone. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they stuck it into the vaccine, you know? Did they really? <laughs> nah, I did, yeah. Bit of TRT. Good. I got to figure out this Aussie sense of humor. <laughs> I think you want to date Henry Kissinger. Oh, he's going to have Guys, pull up Henry Kissinger and his wife. She's wearing this weird black gown. Looks like a space alien. <laughs> you actually want to date Henry Kissinger's wife. I mean, I've probably done worse in my time. You think so? <laughs> a couple shots of tequila, maybe we talk. They're not going to pull up Henry Kissinger's wife. <laughs> I'll, I'll, they're not going to ever do it. I'll pull it up later when I'm alone.
Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to do this again. Not every two years. Let's do it. We're going to go shooting. We've got to go shooting again soon. Who are these guys over here? That'll be the shooting targets. <laughs> there you go. That's a real photo. Listen, yeah. I mean, that's interesting for sure. I don't know. How many shots of tequila before you think about it? Uh, about 5,000. <laughs> I'd rather take a bullet. <laughs> you reckon she tastes better than uh, old mate saliva? You. Oh, I drank a gallon of Willie's saliva before I even looked at her. I tell you, I told that story to be self-deprecating. It's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it definitely sounds believable for sure. He might he be pulls a bit, it out of his mouth and he goes. He might, he might be a bit drier these days. Her too. Let's go back to Henry Kissinger's wife. <laughs> God, she's a hottie. <laughs> you know, when you enter hell, the first thing you see is her. That's the gatekeeper right there. She's hotter than... What's scarier, her or the gay party at Bohemian Grove? Her. <laughs> He's got... No, they had a big poster of him in a dress. I'm not trying to be gross here. It's true. Well, that explains... Him why in a dress simulating sticking his fingers in his butt. That explains why he's got the cane. Yeah. Well, what happened? What happened? <laughs> he's got a limp from, obviously, the, whatever's going on in that tent there. <laughs> With her. Yeah, she's packing heat if he's got a limp. Oh, my, oh my God. Maybe it's a man. <laughs> he looks like the penguin from Batman. Look at them. They just love their power. Oh, it's a power. <laughs> I don't think they're visiting Infowars.com. <laughs> and they're definitely not sharing the link. That would be, yeah, yeah. Because you know, well, the mainstream media lies to you about what's happening now. We tell the truth about what's coming next. That's true. You got me onto the atrazine early, and you helps me weaponize it against my enemies. You're not putting atrazine in your enemies' drinks. We tested it. We tested it on a few of the guys first. Freddie definitely had some weird feelings afterwards. You got atrazine? Yeah, yeah, I just... I'll show you. Where is it? Where is it? I bought. I bought it today, actually. Weed killer. Don't guys. Don't look! 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 Oh my god! I figured if it could turn the frogs gay, it could turn my enemies gay. Are you actually gonna dose people with that? <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, maybe. It depends how much it escalates. In. As long as it's in Japan. Yeah, I mean, the used vending machine also might turn you gay. I don't know. El Segundo. <laughs> That's it. El Segundo. Second, uh, second best podcast uh, next to, obviously, InfoWars. Nope. Joe Rogan's number one. Joe Rogan's number one. And then above that for show is Tucker Carlson. But after... I am L500. After we get into Bohemian Grove next year, we're back on top. I think we film a sex tape with Henry Kissinger and his wife. <laughs> produced by Kanye West. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah, I better lay off the atches and get some, uh, get some size back into it. But, well, yeah. listen, proposition Henry Kissinger right now. <laughs> <laughs> tell him. Close shot again. Just, Craig, tell him right now. That's it. You get us the tickets. If you get us inside Bohemian Grove, me and Alex will be inside you. Didn't agree to that. <laughs> oh you guys are ridiculous. 
<laughs> I feel like I'm in the third grade here. That's <laughs> oh so, yeah. I mean, it was it was interesting. Show us your guns. Show Kissinger the guns. There you go. Kissinger, this can be yours. <laughs> All right. Hey, good job. Infowars.com forward slash show. When's your next big grappling match coming? London, November 4th. Who are you going to be? I can't even pronounce his name. Hey, Gerard Mearshard. He's just some UFC guy taking a grappling match. Bit of fun. Vacation to London. What are you going to do to him? I'm going to do a buggy choke. What's that? It's a ridiculous submission. It's the worst submission you can be caught in. You know what I mean? Like, it's like there's moves out there that suck. This would be the worst of that. So I'm gonna... Eddie Bravo wouldn't do it. Come choke me out. <laughs> come on, come do it. Wide shot. <laughs> Here we go. Right. I just gotta, I'm a lights out. Take a little sense. <laughs> All right, put this up, though. We're not fools. <laughs> Hold your arm up. I'm talking stuff like this. <laughs> what? What did I just do? What did I just do? You asked me to check you out. You're back there. Oh, did I actually pass out? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I did pass out? Yeah. I like that. Shit. Well, you can't go any further than that. <laughs> You really did? Yeah. <laughs> what was it like when I came back? Huh? <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, that's good. God, that felt good. We should do that in high school to each other. God <laughs> oh, damn, that was fucking awesome. Did I pass out? Hey, get back over. We gotta finish up. I like woke up in a whole other fucking world. That was bad. <laughs> well, I was like, <laughs> yeah, fucking fucking it was for real. Fucking passed out bigger than Dallas. Fuck, I woke up like I was on fucking ten hits of acid. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been knocked out plenty of times, don't worry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's going to go. Eddie Bravo was scared to do it because Joe told him not to do it. We're gonna, you can play that clip, too. Make sure you guys add that in. So what you? how long was I out? Uh, maybe five seconds. Really? What did I do? <laughs> you, you went, uh, uh, came back. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that felt good. <laughs> I got to get choked out more often. I mean, so, that's how, uh, obviously, that's why Carradine was into it, you know? Wow. <laughs> no, we threw that game in high school, junior high, choking each other out, like, put the, you know, it, like, recess. Oh, really? Yeah. How long did you go out for? Uh, you'd have weird dreams. You'd fall down real quick and wake up. <laughs> Only did it, you know, the girls would ask us to do it. We'd do it to them. <laughs> junior high. I actually had to do it in high school, junior high. But that was freaking awesome. <laughs> And I'm like, wake up, where am I? I was like, you see that? Yeah. Like, that was 100% real. So did it take you easy to choke me out or quicker or slower? 
You do it. If you do it slow, you come back a bit slow. I feel like if you do it too quick, you come back quick. So, so is that out the average amount of time? Well, I just lift. You had your hands up. As soon as your hands went down, I let go. And then, <laughs> then you took a bit to wake up. <laughs> How long did I take to wake up? Oh, what do you reckon? Five seconds? Wow. <laughs> That's going to go crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're bringing over. That's fucking completely real. Oh my god. Uh, all right, we can't end it any better. Just put it in fullworks.com on there. Everybody, see the Revenge Show at fullworks.com, forward slash show, and death to the new world order. Good job. <laughs> death to the new world order. Oh, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the El Segundo podcast. Don't forget, fuck cry Jones. <laughs>